February is right around the corner, and we're starting to get some All-Star Weekend announcements. We know who the All-Star starters are, and now we are knowing who is competing in the Rising Stars Challenge. The Pistons have a few guys on there. They also have a guy not on there. We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked on Pistons podcast. You are Locked on Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Uh, I'm recording and posting this on January 31st, so the trade deadline it's just a little over a week away. It's on February 8th. And All-Star weekend and All-Star break is just a few weeks away. I believe just two weeks away or a week and a half away. Um, and obviously the Pistons aren't going to be represented in the All-Star game. And I don't think they're going to be represented in like three-point competitions, obviously, or a dunk contest, obviously. Like they're not going to get representation in that. Uh, and the only way the Pistons truly, I feel like since my existence as a Pistons fan in 2011 or 2010, somewhere around there, 2009, since my existence since then as a Pistons fan, it, it, the only way the Pistons are represented in the All-Star Weekend is through the Rising Stars because they're never good. And and it's true now. And, and it's true now to when I started out as a kid, as a fan of the Pistons, to me now covering them as a job, it's still the same. 2024, the Pistons are only going to be represented in this weekend. And who knows when they'll actually be represented in the weekend outside of the Rising Stars Challenge. but. The good news is that they are going to be represented in the All-Star uh, Weekend with the Rising Stars Challenge with Jalen Duran and Jane Ivey. But we're not going to start there. We're going to talk about Jane Ivey and Jalen Duran in the second segment. I want to go into more so just... Now, I don't really want to talk about the Rising Stars Challenge. I want to talk about their seasons and why they've deserved it. And, and, you know, this has been a very negative season. So I want to take that second segment to talk about how those two guys have improved and and in... in and spots of their games that fans should be happy about and, and should be encouraged about. Um, so stay tuned for that. Though I want to start off with a guy who did not make the Rising Stars Challenge, and that is Asar Thompson. Now, his brother, Amen, who you guys know I was very high on, also did not make it. And I tweeted this out when, when the Rising Stars guys were, were announced that the Thompson Twins whole are not going to make the All-Star Weekend simply because their coach doesn't want to play them. And that really was what's happening. Ahmed has barely got to play in, in Houston. Obviously, he had that injury to start off. Then they sent him to the G League. He came up, played like rookie minutes. I know now he's starting to play more minutes. So he's kind of went like, I know someone told me, like he's kind of taking the normal rookie route with Ahmed. So uh, whatever. But with the SAR, it truly is puzzling. So let me just go through the guys who made the Rising Stars Challenge. So these are the sophomores. You got Paolo Bencaro, Dyson Daniels, Jalen Duran, Jane Ivey, Walker Kessler, Bendik Matherin, Keegan Murray, Shaden Sharp, Jabari Smith Jr., and Jalen Williams. The NBA rookies, you got Koulibaly, Keontae George, Jordan Hawkins, Scoot, Chet Holmgren, Hami Haquez, Derek Lively, Brandon Miller, Pods, Kaysen Wallace, and Victor Wembanyama. So that's 11 guys, 11 rookies that got to make it. They now are doing this G League thing where you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven G League players. 
um, playing in the in the Rising Stars Challenge. Um, I know who Ron Holland is. Obviously, I know who Mac McClung is. Um, but outside, of that, I don't really know any of these other guys. Um, I, I'm not too mad. I, like it's it's the Rising Stars Challenge. It's not that serious, so I'm not like mad about it or anything. Um, but there's 11 rookies who made it, and Asar Thompson was not named on it. I think it's crazy. Do I think he should have been in the All Star game? Probably not. Probably not. Um, he's averaging 8.3 points, 6.6 rebounds, and two assists a game this year. So I, I don't. He's not like I don't think he should have been in it. If I was a if I was an unbiased voter, I can't sit here and say that I think he deserved it over anybody here or like he got snubbed or something. What I want to talk about is just how crazy of a turnaround it's been for Asar this year, from what it seemed like to start the season to what we're at now. And it's by no fall of his own, it seems like. Like, it, 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 guys run into rookie walls, and guys can start off hot, hit a wall, and then struggle. Uh, guys can start off cold and, and take a while to get heated up and then, you know, start flourishing. We see that happen. Asara started off, I would say, pretty hot as a rookie. And then just, it wasn't like he ran to a rookie wall and started playing differently. He just all of a sudden stopped getting played minutes. And all of a sudden changed his role. Now he just isn't playing as much. Like it just, it's it's such a confusing situation when you take into account that the Pistons are the worst team in the NBA, and they're competing with the like we've said many times the seventy three uh, Philadelphia seventy sixers as the worst team in NBA history. And despite that, you have a fifth overall pick on your team who's not being prioritized anymore. Who's literally stopped being prioritized during a losing streak. And has not been reprioritized. I I don't understand it. It it truly it truly is mind boggling. The whole process with the Sar Thompson. I I I truly don't understand it. I, I it doesn't make sense. To start off the season, the first thirteen games of the year, he's averaging eleven point eight points, ten point three rebounds, three point five assists, one point two steals, one point eight blocks. Completely stuffing the stat sheet. I mean, he was uh, NBA.com had him in like third, second in the rookie of the year race at that point. He was phenomenal. It was obviously he couldn't shoot threes, but that's not all it's about. He couldn't shoot threes, and despite that, he was being pretty impactful and was stuffing the stat sheet. And you saw why the Pistons took him fit. He was incredibly impressive. You had Ben Taylor of Thinking Basketball, I believe it is, making making episodes on YouTube about how Asar Thompson's one of the most gifted defensive athletes he's ever seen. Like, that's how good he was to start the year. You can even go forward. Go to the 18th game before he lost the starting spot. First 18 games of the year. 11.4 points, 9.3 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 1.1 steals, 1.6 blocks, shooting 47% from the field. Like, he was stuffing the box score and playing really well. Then all of a sudden, after the 18th game, he got benched, and he just stopped getting played. Ever since then, he just hasn't been getting played. Now he's averaging 6.3 points, 4.8 rebounds, 1.2 assists, playing only 19.6 minutes a game. And again, this is something I'm going to say, I've said over and over on the podcast, which is why this season is truly a season from hell for Pistons fans and everyone associated with the Pistons, as far as like the players and the fans. It's different if you are benching a rookie and you're not playing a rookie as much because you are trying to win and therefore are winning by benching him and just saying, you know what, we need to win right now. We can develop him a different way. Kind of like the guy I mentioned earlier in the episode, like Amen Thompson. The Rockets are competing for a playoff spot. They are a fine basketball team. They have veterans in front of him that are helping them win basketball games. 
they are competing for that playoff spot. So if they want to take their time developing him and also try to win games to make that playoff spot, that makes sense because you're actually winning games. The Rockets have, what, 22, 23 wins? They are actually winning games. When you are arguably the worst team in the NBA history, benching your fifth overall pick to try to play veterans more in route to losing more games than anyone ever has is some of the most mind-numbing logic I've ever heard or seen in my life. If the Detroit Pistons were like 18, and I don't even know what the record would be, like 18 was it, like 26 or something? I don't know what exactly the losses would be with 18 wins. But let's say they even had 18 wins, and they're out of the play-in, but at least they're like, it, 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 it's in the, you know, you, you can see the play-in. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, you're going for the play-in. I can buy it. Like, okay, you're trying to go for the play-in. These veterans are helping you get there. You can develop a star a different type of way. You don't need to play them all these minutes, blah, 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 all that, okay? That makes sense. You have six wins. Six. You are arguably the worst team in NBA history. Playing these veterans are not getting you more wins. Playing these veterans have not stopped you from losing 27, 28 games in a row. Playing these veterans have not stopped this season from being a living hell. So not only are you not winning games, you are playing veterans over guys who are considered your core untouchables and barely playing them in route to losing said games. So it's not like he's sitting on the bench. It's not like a star is playing 19 minutes a game to learn to play the right way. He's sitting on the bench watching these guys play the right way and picking up on things. He's actively watching the worst brand of basketball maybe ever in history, losing and also not playing anymore by no fault of his own. It wasn't like a star all of a sudden dropped off a cliff. He actually started to play better. He became more efficient as the season went on after the first 12 games. Started to, to shoot less threes. Started to get to the basket more. Started to finish better. And then all of a sudden, the losing streak was happening. It was, hey, a star's the problem. We got to, you know, sit him down, play the vets. And despite that, they're still losing. So I, he misses the all-star uh, rising stars challenge. I don't think he should have made it. But I don't think it was by any fault of his own, and it just goes back. I think this is a bigger, it's it's a it's a small point that kind of brings brings about the larger larger problem of the Detroit Pistons season, where you're not winning games, you're a horrifically her, her, historically awful basketball team, and in route to that, you are benching your fifth overall pick, who showed incredible promise to start the season. For no reason, because you're still losing. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And also with that, we've talked about many times over the last week, you're also not even playing your apparent core four guys at all. They've played 60 minutes together. So you're losing, you're not playing your fifth overall pick, and you're not even finding out if your core four fits together in route to losing six or losing the most games in NBA history. Like, it, it's it, this is the worst situation in the NBA by far. And I don't, It's it's also the most puzzling. NBA situation in the NBA by far. Every day that goes by, it just becomes more puzzling to me. I, I like it doesn't make any sense. It I don't comprehend what's going on. But anyways, let me know what you guys think about that. Comment section down below or over on Twitter. When we come back, we'll, we'll go in a positive direction. I want to talk about Jalen Dern and Jane Ivy, who both made the Rising Stars Challenge, and instead talking about the faults, talking about what their weaknesses are, what they need to improve on. Talk about why they're in the Rising Stars Challenge and some positives that we've seen from them this season. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fancy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, who is an absolutely incredible host, to bring you some of the best fancy picks each week all season long. Whether you're preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. 
So let's see who Josh has picked out for us this week on eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fancy Picks of the week. And over the last few weeks, he had picked a few Pistons. Not this week, though. And I don't blame him. I don't know if there's any, if there's any Pistons that should be picked. Um, but there's a few names on here. But the one name that I really like from Josh is Io DeSumo. With Levine and Williams both injured, DeSumo has seen his minutes and used his bump up while also being more aggressive offensively and maintaining his efficiency for at least the short term. He has value. And also, if the Bulls do decide to move off of Zach Levine, I think that raises his value even more so. It kind of just matters about what the Chicago Bulls decide to do with their future. And they're in some kind of crazy spot right now. They're, they just refuse to go any route. But if they do decide to move off of Levine, I think DeSumo raises even more in value. And he's definitely a really good pickup. Another name, Josh Hart. I think Josh Hart is a really good pickup, a big winner due to the Randall injury and could be seeing a gigantic minute bump for multiple weeks. Stay tuned for him too. So Josh Hart, Ayo DeSumo, two great picks by Josh Lloyd, who – from Locked On Fancy Basketball is going to help you win your fancy championship. And eBay Motors knows the championship team. It's about each player being a perfect fit. And it's the same thing with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you'll get your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guarantee fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply at ebaymotors.com. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So I just got done ranting about Asar Thompson and then really the whole season, the, the idea of what the Pistons are trying to do this season. They're, they're fumbling of everything. Like, just got done ranting about that. But now we're going to go on a route of saying some positives about the team. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so I want to start with Jane Ivey. So obviously, like I said, Jane Ivey and Jalen Duren both made the All-Star Rising Challenge, as they should have. They're one of the best. Uh, two of the best sophomores in their class. Um, and we'll talk about Jalen Duran in a minute, but I want to start with Jane Ivey. Jane Ivey has fallen under, I'd say, he's he's fallen under criticism by some fans, and then he's also fallen under sympathy from, I'd say, the majority of the fan base because of how Monty Williams and his coaching staff have utilized him. We don't need to bring it all up. We know how it's went. They started killing Hayes over him. They, they, they were yanking him around a little bit, in and out of the starting lineup. Um, some fans feel like he's being held to a standard that no one else on the team is being held to, et cetera, et cetera. Um, th- there's been a whole crazy Jane Ivey situation um, this season negatively that, that fans feel like, whether it's by his own doing or the coaching staff. Um, and some people maybe would even blame the front office for how they've been handling him. So either way, there's been a lot of talk about Jane Ivey. And a lot of it, like I said, has, has stemmed from a place of negativity because of what's going on. But Jane Ivey, and I, and I have I have criticized Jane Ivey on the podcast because of his shooting. He hasn't shot the ball well from deep this year, and it's a little concerning for me. But there are multiple other areas that Jane Ivey has really improved in, I think, and he deserves a ton of credit for this. If you guys remember last season when we talked about Jane Ivey, the thing we talked about with Jane Ivey last year on the podcast was, hey, Jane Ivey 
gets to the paint really well. He's improved in his in-between area as the game as the season has went on. He's improved as a as a passer, as a secondary playmaker. Oh, and one of the best things about his rookie season is that he was one of the best shooters when he was open on catch and shoot threes. Um, he was in the 92nd percentile his rookie year on unguarded uh, catch and shoots. On catch and shoot threes, he shot 48% last year. So he was pretty spectacular on open catch and shoot threes. However, he was one of the worst finishers in the entire NBA last year. He was in the 10th percentile on layups around the rim, obviously. Uh, he was horrible at finishing. And that was not something that anyone really, I don't think anyone really expected him to be that bad of a finisher. That was supposed to be a strength of his. And all offseason, I talked about look, if Jane Ivey can maintain that shooting and get back to where people expect him to be finishing around the basket, this is, we're looking at a three level scorer who will be an insanely efficient score and a, and a big time player for the Detroit Pistons fast forward to now yes his, his shooting has taken a step back and that's what's been concerning for me that 32 percent from deep um also he's not shooting good on open catch and shoot threes this year which is the thing that has me concerned uh 32 percent on open catch and shoot threes this year however he has made a major jump in finishing around the basket which is why he's shooting 45 percent from the field despite shooting Worse from three-point range this year. He's also still drawing free throws, 4.0 free throws a game. He's not shooting that great from the free throws, but he's still a guy who can draw free throws like that. Guys can't beat him to his spot. He's become a better finisher this year, which I think is a really, obviously, a huge thing for his career development. Um, last year, looking at basketball reference, from zero to three feet, he shot 58% last season. This year, he is shooting 71% from zero to three feet, so basically at the rim. Incredible. Major jump from Jane Ivey. From 3 to 10 feet last year, he shot 33%. This year, he's shooting 38%. So just overall, closer to the basket in the, in obviously, layups and dunks. But even in the floater range, he's much improved. And that's led to him shooting 51% from twos this year instead of 45% like last year. So I think that area that we talked about all offseason that he needed to improve on, need to get back to, he's gotten back to that. Also, I think, honestly, I feel like he looks quicker this year. Or maybe it's because he looks more controlled with his athleticism. He knows how to use it better. Um, he still gets, you know, he, he still maybe goes too fast for his own doing. But he just, to me, he seems more quicker and more decisive getting to the basket. He's a better finisher. So all of that stuff, he's improved on that. And it's led to why he's in the Rising Stars Challenge and why he's part of the Pistons core four and why the Pistons are currently viewing him as untouchable. So I... Look, I know there's other things about his season that maybe we could talk about, that maybe you could critique, obviously, with the coaching staff, their utilization of him, all of that. But Jane Nivey has improved from two-point range. He's become a better finisher, which is what we all wanted to see from him this year after what he did last year. I think he – overall, I think he's probably – if you were to end his season right now, let's say this was the 82-game season. It ended right now. I'd say that Jane Ivey would probably walk into the offseason saying, I'm happy with how I played this past year. I'm, I'm not – not happy with how they utilized me. I'm not happy that I wasn't a starter all year. I'm not happy that I wasn't playing 30 plus minutes all year. But with my own individual play, I think Jane Ivey would say I'm probably uh, I, I'm happy with how I played. I'm happy that I I improved on my finishing ability. I, I'm happy that I improved from uh, the floater range area. You know, I got to the basket more. Like I, I think, I think overall, Jane Ivey probably would say he's happy with his with how he's played so far. I um, mean, if he's gotten if he had gotten more minutes and more usage, which is another topic of discussion. Maybe his numbers would leak even better, look even better. So, yeah, I, I think Jane Ivey want to get that three-point shooting up, but he's become a much better finisher, which is what I wanted from him this year. Um, so I'm happy to say that that's main one of the biggest reasons why he's going to be in the Rising Stars Challenge. Now let's move on to Jalen Duren. 
Jalen Duran, I think I'm going to make this prediction. Uh, and we'll come back to this maybe in like two, three years or something. I think Jalen Duran's probably going to end up as they get rid of all these other players. As the core four seems to remain, it sounds like. I think Jalen Duran's probably going to end up becoming the most divisive one out of the core four. And here's why. He has games where he completely dominates. Like this game against OKC in that second half, he dominated the OKC Thunder. The first three, four games of the season, he was dominant on both ends of the floor and was a big reason why the Pistons had won two games in that span. He has stretches where he doesn't play as well defensively. Despite that, though, we know that he needs to improve defensively. Like, we know that, okay? But he's in the Rising Stars Challenge because he's one of the more talented bigs, I'd say, in the entire NBA. This season is averaging 14 points a game, 12 rebounds a game, and close to three assists a game. They're running a lot of their offense, or maybe not say a lot of it. They're running more of their offense through him this year than last year. And he's responding by really showcasing that passing ability that we said was flashed last year. Um, some some backdoor passing from the elbow, from the wing, some entry passes, some lobs to whether it's uh, a Sar Thompson or whether it's a kind of a lob entry pass over a fronting defender to Isaiah Stewart, um, finding guys on kickouts in the short roll. He is showcasing his ability to be a playmaker, and that's a big-time thing for centers in this day and age. You need to be able to make that short roll read. You need to be able to playmake from the high post area. If you can do that, it just expands your offense. And not every big can do that, and Duran is showing that he can do that. So that's one. Two, you're seeing him start to have his offensive game expanded. And I do not like the mid-range pull-ups. They're terrible. The mid-range pull-ups, the, the, the fadeaways, those should not be a part of it. But just eliminating that from our, 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 our memory, that that's something that happens on occasion, for the most part, I would say when he dribble drives over the last month or so, when they've given him this freedom to dribble drive and he goes all the way to the rim, instead of settling for a post fadeaway or something, it's been mostly good. He's showcasing incredible touch on these shots. He's finishing over defenders. He's finishing through defenders. And probably my favorite development from him on these drives is his incredible footwork. He flashed it on occasion last year, but this year, this dude is showcasing, I think his favorite move is the reverse pivot move. And I'm telling you, for anyone who has not played basketball, go out there, try to do a dribble move and get to the rim and, and finish your move off with the reverse pivot without losing your balance and being able to get the shot up. It's incredibly, it's a tough, tough move to have without traveling, without losing your balance, and also maintaining uh, uh, maintaining all that to get a, a good look off. He's showcasing that incredibly well. And it's not just that. He has other moves that he's been doing, but the footwork has been really good. So Jalen Duren, yes, he needs to get better defensively. Um, he needs to be more consistent on that, and he has to give more effort. And I think that right there is why I think he's going to be the most divisive guy because he's going to flash defense, it seems like. Until he puts it all together, people are going to be mad that he doesn't eventually consistent defensive threat because he showcases elite defensive ability. But why is he in the Rising Stars Challenge? Why is he a part of the Pistons score four? Why is he one of the most promising bigs in the league right now? <coughs> Excuse me. It's because of his ability to play make because of his newfound ability or, or newfound freedom to be able to have drill drives to the basket and his ability to be a lob threat and make the right read. This guy is incredibly talented, and I'm not shocked at all he made the Rising Stars Challenge. These two guys in a season that's been terrible for the Detroit Pistons, they both certainly have reasons to come away as of right now and say, hey, I can be happy with some of the progress I've made. I feel like I'm in a good spot. Both of them, Jalen Duren and Jay Ivey, they should both be 
proud somewhat of where they've gotten to so far, even with the team success being terrible. Um, I, I think they should be somewhat happy about where they're at individually. So let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter if you agree, disagree with that. Um, how you guys feel about the Rising Stars Challenge? Um, let me know again. Comment section down below or over on Twitter at Cooper Hill. When we come back, who is the most likely Piston to be traded this week? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the exact same question. What's the one move I can make that will make my business or take my business as well to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Your main thing as a small business owner or just overall in life at the start of 2024 is achieving your goals, setting goals and achieving those goals in 2024. And small businesses will have the best chance of achieving those goals by using LinkedIn to help get the best quality candidates for your business. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time to the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick and easy. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on MBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's at LinkedIn.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review or whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, who is the most likely person to be traded by the Detroit Pistons this week? Let me tell you guys something. Now, let me let me tell you guys something. I have now, complete, I think, completely shifted into the idea that I know I've been saying that I we've been going back and forth. Will the Pistons have cold feet or will they actually make a move? And as of January 31st, I'm actually almost close to 100% on the side of the Pistons are going to get cold feet and not do anything. I, I, I don't think they're going to do anything because of this reason, this reason only. Or not, actually, I lied. Not this reason only. But this is, this, seeing this and reading this made me feel like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is, this is, they're not doing nothing at this deadline for sure. It's not the only reason. I, I misspoke with that. It's definitely not the only reason, but, it's the reason I read today that had me like, yeah, this is, it's not happening. Um, James Edwards, III of the athletic wrote an article. Um, it was a mailbag article and he was an, a, answering questions. And obviously a lot of the questions were about, Hey, are the Pistons going to make moves? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? It all had to do about changes, 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 changes. And I'm not going to read the whole article at all. I'm just going to add or read a quick like sentence from it that had me basically like, yeah, this is, they ain't doing nothing. Um, he gets asked the question about, hey, are the Pistons going to make a move for somebody big at the deadline? And he gives a long answer, basically saying it could, could not happen. About, you know, you guys can read it and see like his full answer. However, there's one part of his answer 
that lets me know, yeah, this team is not they, – they, they're probably not going to make any move at the deadline. If they do, I, I think they should be making moves at the deadline. I think they, they should be making multiple moves throughout their organization, not just in the trade market. But this sentence – these few sentences right here just let me know, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, he says, quote – and this, again, this is after a lot uh, – like four paragraphs of describing his answer. But this sentence right here is what got me. It says, this summer could be another story. The Pistons have to take a chance or two this offseason. I don't think they have to take the chance now, but they could. So that right there is all I need to see. That right there is all I need to see. And this isn't before people, because some fans like just go after the beat writers as if the beat writers are the ones making the decisions. Now, they're not the ones making the decisions. James is just writing, writing and saying everything he's heard and what they're saying. And when I say that, I mean the Pistons. The fact that we're already starting to hear the whole well, this offseason, they can make some moves. Again, for the second year, some would argue the third year in a row of the, well, this offseason will be where they make moves. After a, a season like this where they didn't make any moves last offseason, everything in totality of this season, the fact we are now hearing a week before the deadline that, oh, yeah, well, this offseason this offseason will be where they take a real chance or everything. Like, already hitting us with the be patient, they'll do something in the offseason. Like, that thing, that whole idea coming from the Pistons organization that yeah, that 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 right there lets me know that I don't think they're even gonna make a trade this this week. Like, and it, it's just it's funny. It's it's so funny to think that because of what Tom Gore said at the end of December, saying changes are coming soon. We have to make changes, and they're basically saying that um, Troy knows that we need to make changes. I'll be watching to see what changes he makes. And the only change they made was basically trading Bagley and Livers for Mike Muscala. Like that that was their big change. And nothing else has changed. Nothing else has changed. And on January 31st, we're already hearing, you know, not obviously this doesn't mean they're for sure not making a trade. This doesn't mean that they're for sure going to wait to the offseason. However, I'm going to read in between the lines and assume that since we're already hearing the whole wait to the offseason, they may wait to the offseason and make their big change. They have cap space. They have flexibility. They could do it then. Like getting that message out there before the deadline sounds like they're already sizing themselves up for a PR that, you know, we're going to let's get it out there that hey we we were aggressive but it just wasn't there so we're going to wait to the offseason just be patient we have flexibility like they're already getting out ahead of that so that's what I think is happening that's why I'm reading in between the lines so to answer the question who's most likely to be traded this week nobody that's my answer my answer is nobody so have fun watching the rest of the season with the same stuff we've basically seen all year um that's my answer. Let me know what you guys think, though. Do you guys think they're going to make a trade this week? And if they do, who do you think is most likely to be moved? Um, let me, again, let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe on the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review, whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe out there. Till next time, peace out.